0: Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Girish Tanti, co-founder and board member of Sosran Energy. Welcome, Girish.
1: Thank you. Thank you for
0: having me. Here is we want to talk about the massive build-out of renewables going forward to enable and support the energy transition and the role of wind in that. But before we get into this, it would be great if you could introduce yourself as a person and tell us a little bit about Suslan.
1: Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Suslan Energy Limited. Uh, This this is a company that we incorporated in uh, mid-90s. Our primary initial focus was more about uh, getting uh, renewable uh, penetration for the Indian uh, energy environment. And uh, in the 2000s, we took the company global. And since then, uh, we have been amongst the top leading companies across the world, uh, with a total install base of uh, 17 gigawatts plus worldwide, with operations across 32 countries now.
0: Yes, this is an amazing story. And I remember an anecdote of my former boss, Andrew Garrett, who told me that somewhere in the early 1990s, your brother, Tulsi, Tulsi and yourself probably uh, came to the Bristol office that day. And I think you were in a totally different business. You were in cotton-spinning business. That's correct. There was a limited number of employees. But how did you come up with this vision? How did you know that point in time that wind is the big thing?
1: So, uh, you know, before the energy business, we were in the textile business, and uh, primarily it was uh, polyester yarn, synthetic yarn. And uh, in this industry, almost 30% of your cost of production comes from electricity energy. Uh, And so we were trying to find a solution to reduce our cost in the textile business. And while looking at various options of uh, going into self-generation of uh, electricity, We found that WIND was a good solution uh, because of its modular in nature for the size that we wanted at that point in time. And uh, it was early stage, it was a bit challenging uh, at that point in time. But uh, we started originally as an investor into WIND and slowly realized that uh, this is something uh, of a strong future. And that's how finally we kind of decided that we will go full fledged into the energy business.
0: Right. So we are in a couple of decades later now, and if we look into the energy transition outlook uh, DMVGL has just launched, we see that this massive upbuild of renewables is required to lead us uh, in, into, a, uh, into an energy future, which uh, limits climate change to uh, limits which we can adopt to. But if we look at your own history first, yeah, so Susan has 12 gigawatts, I think now, in India, which is about a third of the installed capacity in country, um, but if we move forward now with the massive build-up to come, what needs to happen with regards to manufacturing, supply chain, the grid side? What does the industry need to really do this massive build-up require?
1: So I think uh, there is no set of uh, you know things that specifically can work for all countries. Uh, so you need to see it by countries or by region, because there is a history uh, and, the, and also its development growth which has happened and the amount of uh, investments that have happened uh, across various countries. Uh, so different kind of issues prevail in different parts of the world. Uh, just say, for example, if you take even just the ASEAN region for the conferences we are talking today, the issues which a country like Singapore would face would be very different then maybe an issue which a country like Indonesia or Myanmar or others would face. Uh, And therefore, I think uh, what is most critical is first that for each country to set out a clear set of goals of, you know, an ambitious goal of switching to renewable energy. That is the first step. And I think once that is there, and then if they're able to provide the right environment for the switch to happen, uh, then various modules will fit in, because some countries, also the solutions could be different. Something in some places solar may work better, in some places wind may work better. Uh, but today, most importantly, if you see both wind and solar have got grid parity. So they are cost efficient and uh, you know they can compete any other conventional power source. So that is the level of technology development and growth that has happened for this sector.
0: Right. You just mentioned technology development. One thing we are also talking a lot about on these conferences is how digitalization is enabling the future energy system. Yes. Um, with regards to wind, um, what would you think uh, the impact of digitalization would be? How can we use it to be more efficient, to have better turbines and so on and so forth? Right.
1: So today, if you see the wind turbines by themselves have are pretty sophisticated with uh, lots of digital capabilities and uh, they are already, in a way, already smart uh, because they work in nature by themselves. It's an uncontrolled environment and they have to perform in that. So this is one kind of power plant which just stands up in Mother Nature and performs uh, with various seasons that, as they go by. Uh, so it is a sophisticated piece of uh, kind of uh, device. The key thing now in the next wave, what we have to have is that we need to get full scale integration of the renewables into mainstream power grid completely. So I think where the future of uh, digitalization is going to play a significant role is in the whole power system. And how can we make smart uh, decisions with different sources of energy? Because for all countries, no one source is going to be the solution. They have to diversify into multiple energy sources for transitioning to the decarbonization of their entire uh, energy system. But it's important that they leverage the IT technology to the fullest so that, uh, you know, we can make this transition in a much smarter way. And see, through time now, we are also going to see the lot of power going in the hands of consumers. So they are going to drive the change also. So it's it's like uh, how the today we have the telecom industry driven by consumers, you will see energy industry also being driven by consumers. So there will be a shift and uh, demand uh, and what and choices that consumer would want will drive the change also. So that will speed up things.
0: Another factor talking about things which uh, change and, and, and kind of influence the industry is that the prices have come down massively. We started in this industry, there were people accusing the industry that it would be so expensive and not competitive with conventional generation. But this has switched now. In many places, renewables are cheaper than conventional generation. This is good news because it has helped the breakthrough. But it's also challenging in that sense that finance has to become cheaper as well. And uh, at least in many parts of the world, probably had a lot of equity investors who went in and the yield rates are not attractive enough for them anymore. Um, What do you think about this whole matter of finance and what needs to happen that there is no other showstoppers in the build out of wind energy coming from that direction?
1: Yeah, so today I would say that uh, if we just step back and see that uh, this is probably beginning of uh, a new journey in the global landscape where we are seeing uh, that the quantum of new energy being added worldwide, uh, the share of renewables is growing significantly, at least for the new capacities. What does this mean is that I think overall the world is united in a way that uh, the future has to go into decarbonization. So I don't think there is any doubt around that area anymore. Also, I think while there are different views on climate change, but I think there is a broad consensus that we need to get control over this aspect. We cannot leave it completely open. Uh, There are challenges on how to do it, but... So ultimately what is happening is that... And at the same time, the third point which nations are facing is... Most nations do not have enough source of energy, uh, natural resources, to serve their energy demand in the future. So with this all coupled, uh, they have to make choices of what source of energy they want to leverage the most. So it has to be a basket of sources. Now, within that, uh, today, renewables, is because of its uh, great parity that we have today, especially for wind and solar, though, you know, with that kind of thing, now money is chasing those projects. So, I do not see in the current environment that, uh, you know, in general, that there is a lack of money for the projects. I think if you have good projects, there is quite a lot of money. Where the issues are coming is maybe project-specific issues, or country specific issues. Again, if you look back a little bit, it is more driven by the policy or some regulation matter. It's more a regulatory issue than a financing issue because if the regulatory issue is sorted out, I think uh, technology is there and uh, projects will happen on that ground. And I think uh, with massive amount of money chasing today, renewable project, funds are there. You just need to have the right project. Right.
0: Um, I want to touch upon one more aspect, uh, and this is the Sustainable Development Goal number seven, providing access to clean and affordable energy to as many people as possible, or actually to everyone. Yes. Um, and I want to go back a little bit to your origin again in India. Um, maybe you can share with us a little bit what approach Susan has taken to also integrate communities in rural areas into this journey in moving towards renewables.
1: Yes. So this is something, uh, you know, at the core of what Suzlon does uh, is uh, taking the community along with us. And uh, we have a separate Suzlon foundation, which kind of focuses around the community development around the wind farms that we have So it starts right, uh, you know, when we start the initial stage of wind prospecting, at that stage, we also start doing the community assessment. So we have devised uh, an entire... Uh, social model through which we do a, a proper study of the region and uh, with the people there and uh, come out with a kind of a five-year plan for them in terms of what is going to be their growth strategy. Uh, how you know what are the key issues that they are struggling with and how can we help and work with them. And different uh, communities have different subject areas which come up. Uh, it can be anything with health, hygiene, electricity. Uh, medical, education, it could be anything, uh, livelihood. So what we have devised is we have devised uh, the the whole social model in such a way, which is a uh, principle of three pillars. We have engage, empower, and sustain. The way it works is that uh, with the engagement is at the phase where we work with the uh, local people themselves uh, in trying to work with them to make them build their plans and prioritize issues uh, what concerns most for them for their growth in empowerment what do we work is that we because there are a lot of uh, existing already uh, programs across india by government of india also uh, and a lot of ngos are doing a lot of good work uh, across the country so what we do is we try to put all those blocks together and build capabilities at the ground level Because it's not just money, it's the capacity which is critical to make the change happen on ground. So we focus on developing capabilities so that the projects that are identified are then driven by the people and the communities themselves. We facilitate that process and and then sustain is the model where over a period of three years max, uh, we have to withdraw from that project and make sure that the local team or the local community is able to maintain and take care of those projects moving forward. So we have uh, across the country, uh, you know, several uh, social projects going across the country. And I think it's a very integral part of Suzlon and uh, our core value to take the community along with us and uh, make sure that everyone benefits out of such a growth.
0: Very good, very good. Girish, we are unfortunately coming slowly already to an end uh, to this episode. But one uh, question I would like to ask you since we are recording this episode at the site of the Singapore International Energy Week 2018. What is your main takeaway of this conference?
1: So I think uh, there are quite a few positive elements that have come through. Uh, The most important that I see is that there is an overall recognition of uh, two, three aspects. One is... Uh, you know, that uh, all the various ASEAN countries together uh, have a common alignment that we need to decarbonize. We need to have a mix of product, not one product is going to be good enough for us. And uh, there is limitation of resources that each one of us have. So we have to work as one team. There is Slowly the unity, uh, as I'm looking at, is that the future should be that uh, there is we have energy union. of way if if we can achieve that because there are patches of uh, things which can happen in one region which other region could uh, ultimately consumer could benefit uh, and people across uh, ASEAN could benefit from that so I think there is a good consensus uh, on the need to change and make the transition the main question that is coming is uh, how quickly can we do it and at what cost Uh, and I think that's where uh, the elements uh, Uh, The pace is being set by the governments in in terms of the bold targets, and I'm kind of educating them to raise the bar and put more stronger goals rather than just incremental goals. But as a a whole group, ASEAN, they have put a goal of uh, achieving 23% uh, of renewable energy by 2025 from current uh, little over 9%. So it's a good uh, size of uh, increment that we are looking at. Uh, and uh, I think what I've been also educating uh, to the members is that at least for wind and solar, for sure, I can tell them that they have grid parity. So if you give us a level playing field, uh, we have the technology, the capabilities to help you in this journey. And uh, it has been quite successful in talking to various uh, stakeholders at the conference.
0: Very good. girish thank you very much for your highly interesting insights and for your time. Um, this was Girish Tanti, co-founder and board member of Suslon Energy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com/talksenergy.